Uh, We're going to read a little portion of scripture here together. So could you stand with me? First Samuel chapter 14, verses 1 through 15, we're going to read that. It says, One day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, Come, let us go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migran. With him were about 600 men. And then this little portion right here goes to tell... And, and you may not realize this, but uh, the lineage of the priest that was with him uh, was from Eli. And Eli had disobeyed God. His kids had disobeyed God. And so God had stripped the priesthood from him. And Samuel is now the priest. So what you read there is Ichabod was the grandson of Eli, who was named Ichabod because it meant the glory had departed. That the Philistines had captured the ark and and Eli the prophet had died and his sons had died all on the same day and so the daughter-in-law named the son Ichabod as a sign that God had left them and so now you see that Saul has taken up camp with a descendant of the guy whose name was God left us so you see where he's at all right Verse 4, on each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost. Let me back up. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Senna. The cliff stood to the north toward Michmash and the other to the south toward Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let us go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Somebody say, God is able. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come then. We will cross over toward them. Let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. Verse 11. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outposts. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, Come up to us, and we will teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hands of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. Father, we thank you so much for your word, Lord. Pray that you encourage us today through a change our hearts and minds today, Lord, to be more like you. In Christ's name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. All right, turn around and tell somebody, I need you to act like this. You better listen up. 
I need you to act like this. You better listen up. I do want to say that um, we, we set our daughter off, our oldest off yesterday. She left this morning. Uh, they, they went down and spent the night at, at Dulles Airport, and they left this morning on her trip to Costa Rica for four weeks. And so, um, so I, am, I am without kids on Father's Day weekend, and I think it's just because they didn't want to get me anything. <laughs> Well, my other two uh, kids are coming back from a week at the beach with my parents. And so, um, so my wife and I were just sitting around yesterday like, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? So we're learning. You know, it takes work to be by yourself. You gotta, man, you got to work hard to be by yourself. So um, we're finding that out. I think she likes me, so that helps. <laughs> I want to give you a little backstory on this before we get into what, what's happening here. Saul was the first king of Israel. Samuel had a, anointed him king. And uh, right in the chapter before this, you see... That uh, Saul, um, the Philistines had really put Israel in a pinch. The Bible says that there was no, uh, there was no um, forges, there was no iron workers, there was no blacksmiths in all the land. And so all of Israel had to go over to the Philistines just to get their tools sharpened. And the Bible says that when they gather together, uh, you see that Saul and Jonathan are in separate camps, and they're the only ones that had weapons. Somebody said, that ain't the way to win a fight. It said the only people that had swords and things like that in all of Israel was Jonathan and Saul. So what you get in chapter 13 is that Saul is instructed to wait until Samuel gets there to make a sacrifice to the Lord. And get his blessing on this endeavor. And Saul becomes impatient. Sacrifices before Samuel gets there. And then when he does, he makes an excuse for it. Some might say, own your own mistakes. Yeah, that's good advice. Own your own mistakes. So Saul makes an excuse for it and says, listen, I didn't know when you were showing. I didn't know when you were going to show up. Man, all these Philistines are out there ready to kick our butts. And, and, and you're just taking your good old time. And he said, listen. Because you disobey God, he's going to strip the kingdom from you and he's going to anoint somebody after his own heart. So Samuel leaves. And then we pick up in chapter 14, the situation. And before I get into the three points that I want to make, I want to, I want to give you two other things that I noticed in this passage that are extremely important. That the contrast between a father and son and both of them have Weapons. They're the only ones that have weapons. And what you see happening is the, the father sitting under a tree refusing to use his weapon and the son acting out in faith. One of my, one of my desires as a dad is that I don't ever get to the point where I'm sitting under the tree with my weapons inactive. 
I want my kids to go out further than me and do more things than I have, but I want my life to be an inspiration to them, not them do it in spite of me. Amen? And so you see this massive contrast, one willing to fight and one with the same weapons unwilling to fight. But here's where we have to be careful. Listen to this. Here's where we have to be careful. Remember I told you that the descendant of Eli was with, was with Saul and he had the ephod? The, the thing is, if you don't read the chapter before, you think, you would think that this guy, that this guy was just, man, man, the, 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 the priest of God was with Saul and, and all, and, and everything was going to go well and all this good stuff. And he had the ephod on and he was geared up, ready to hear from God. And what you really realize in the context of the situation is that Saul was basically playing church while Jonathan was acting out on his faith. And so here's the trap we get into. The trap we get into is when, when our relationship with God just becomes a show for everyone else to see happen. And so the reality of the guy he had standing there in front of him that was supposed to, this guy would have, was never going to hear from God the way he needed him to. But it looked good for the rest of the people. So Saul sits under the tree, waits. And Jonathan, along with his armor bearer, decided to go do something. Now watch this. There's something very curious that stood out to me. Any of you ever stepped out in faith and were just like, man, I can't, boy, we're doing it. Anybody ever done that? A couple of you. Did you tell anybody? Did you tell like your friends, like, man, I'm, I'm, a, little, I'm a little nervous, but I, I think we're, did you go to your pastor? Did you go to, did you go to, did you go to your family and say, listen, like, Man, I set all my kids down. We'd start talking about Costa Rica like we could die. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I just said, listen, this is, a, this is a, a moment. I found it very curious that Jonathan never told his father what he was going to do. And what I found curious was that I pray that we never become a church where people who are stepping out in faith fear that they can't tell anybody here. I also pray that we never become a church that doesn't realize when people are stepping out in faith and moving forward and God, what God has called them. The Bible says that Jonathan didn't tell his dad and that nobody else even knew he was going. So I'm praying that we, that we would always be a church that when people say, hey, listen, this is what I think God has called me to do, we would go, go for it, man. Go for it. Go for it. I'm probably that to a fault sometimes because I like I, I recently I have people come to me say, I think I'm going to quit my job, go out on my own. I'm like, dude, go for it. <laughs> go for it. Got to work out the details, I think. Like, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Come on, go for it. Like, that's easy for me to say because I can stand back and watch, right? But I want this to be a place where people can freely say, I believe this is what God has called me to do. And we clap, we cheer, we support, and people are raised up. Amen? I would hate to think we'd ever become a church where people were afraid to express what God has put in their heart. Jonathan didn't tell his father. I think there was a reason behind that. And nobody in the camp knew he was leaving, and I think it's because they weren't paying attention. They weren't expecting anybody to act out in faith. Doesn't that remind you later on of David and Goliath? 
where everybody is standing on one side, Goliath and the Philistines are on the other side, and everybody's just standing there, shell-shocked, not knowing what to do. And David walks up and says, who's this loudmouth talking about God? And they go, why don't you settle down, little shepherd boy? It's not a good time for you to run your mouth right now. And David's like, look, look, look. if you're not going to do something about it, I brought my trusty slingshot. And that instilled confidence in the whole army, right? To the point where he comes up to Saul and Saul says, listen, son, I know your slingshot's cute, but why don't you put on this armor and get real? He says, no, I can't wear that. Nobody in Israel was actually anticipating somebody that would fight Goliath. And one of the issues in church is sometimes we don't anticipate people actually stepping out in faith. So it's kind of a shocker when they do, right? So in light of that context, I want to talk to you today about three people I need. And if you're a guy, hopefully you can relate to this. Three people I need in my life as a dad, as a husband, as a pastor. They could all be the same person. But I need these three types of people. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, he said, come, let us go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Aren't you glad we don't use that as a term of a derogatory term anymore? Those uncircumcised men, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Now, if you ever followed anybody that said, hey, listen, I think I think this is what we should do. And maybe God will help. No, we like to follow people that go, I know exactly what is going to happen when we get to the top of this hill. I'm confident. I know I've been doing this for years and I know exactly what will happen. Jonathan looks at his armor bearer and says, hey, listen, maybe we should go up to the Philistine camp. Maybe. You never start a trek with somebody on maybe. Do you? Hey, let's, let's go across country. Maybe the car will make it. Maybe. Maybe. Let's go on vacation. Maybe we'll have enough money. Let's, let, let, let's, let's start this. Maybe we'll be strong enough. But Jonathan says, hey, listen, let's go up to the Philistines. It's time to fight. Maybe the Lord will be with us. And he says, if he is with us, nobody can, nobody can touch us, whether great or few. Now listen to what the armor bearer says. Listen to this. Verse 7, do all you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I'm with you, heart and soul. You know what I found out in my lifetime? I don't need fair weather friends. Come on, somebody, some man say amen. amen. The friends that try to talk you out of every single thing God ever told you to do. Try to talk you out of being a good husband. Trying to talk you out of being a good father. Like, I'll just let her take care of it. The friends that try to talk you out of what God has called you. I don't need fair weather friends. I need people in my life who know how to stick it out. I need people in my life that know that, that when they hear the word of God come out of my lips, then they say, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Have you ever had anybody look at you and say, hey, when you said, this is what I feel like God's calling, do whatever is in your heart, and I'm with you, heart and soul. Imagine the inspiration you get from that. Now you're hoping that person has a decent IQ, right? Right? <laughs> 
Like, listen, I want smart friends. I said I wanted loyal. I meant them to say loyal and smart. Um, but his armor bearer says, listen, whatever God has said to you, whatever God has put in your heart, I'm with you. Let's do it. And I, I think of myself as a man, and I think, I think, man, that is so necessary today, isn't it? It's so necessary today. And my wife is in the back somewhere. Um, I think she's doing my sermon notes. And, um, and, and I want to say, I know it's Father's Day, but listen, you can get marriage points any day of the year. So, listen, there's so many times where I've come home and said crazy stuff. Like, man, that's what I think God wants us to do. And I can tell you in my going on 20 years of marriage, my wife has 99.9999999. I'm sure there was one that I can't remember. But 99.9% of the time, she's went, that's what you feel like God wants us to do. Let's do it. And I'll be like, what? <laughs> really? We need to find people around us that say, come on, if that's what God said, do, I'm with you. I'm with you. You know what's funny in the church today is, is we have more critics than we have supporters. Do you realize that? Listen, I know you know how to do this better. I realize that up front. I know you know how to do all this better. I know that you know how to be a better dad than the guy beside you. I know you know how to be a better husband than the guy beside you. I know, I know that your wife thinks you're better than the guy beside you. Hopefully. That's another sermon. The issue is, is that if all I get is a critique, I'll never climb the mountain. Because listen, I'm not going to climb the mountain the way you climb the mountain. My climb looks different, right? I'm heavier. I'm a little older sometimes than some of you. My arms might not be as strong. But I, I still need somebody that when I look at the mountain and I say, I think God's calling us to climb it, that looks at me and says, I think you can do it. Not critiques the type of shoes I'm wearing when I'm doing it. Not tells me, well, listen, uh, there, there's, there's 45 things that I don't think you do right right now, so don't even think about climbing the mountain. What if somebody come, came up to you today and said, listen, whatever God has put in your heart, I'm with you. You're with me? I'm with you. All, like all the way? I'm with you. Like when it gets ugly? I'm with you. Heart and soul, I'm with you. The Father has promised that he will never leave us or forsake us. Jesus said he would be with us till the end. The Holy Spirit dwells in us continually. If we are to be like Christ, how committed should we be to one another? Jesus is one of his main core messages uh, to the disciples was, I will be with you always. I will be with you always. And then what happened is he also prayed things like this to the Father. He said, listen, Father, I want them to be as one as you and I are one. Did God ever, did God the Father ever look at Jesus and go, man, I don't know if you can do this. I know I sent you to the earth to die on the cross, but now I'm having second guesses about whether you can. No, he said, he said, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You're God. You can do it. 
And so what we, what happens to us is, is that Jesus prayed that we would be one. But we're too busy critiquing each other to get on the same page, right? You know what I found out in life is this, is some of my closest friends are going to do it differently than I do. And I got to be okay with that. Somebody say amen. Come on, somebody say amen. That some of the guys I hang out with are going to do it differently than I do. And I got to be okay with the way they climb. But just because they do it differently doesn't mean it'll be any less effective. Amen? So if my job is to stand with them and say, whatever God has told you to do, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Whether you do it the way I would do it or not, I'm with you. It, it takes a while to get over yourself in that circumstance, doesn't it? I remember when I was young, I used to argue about everything. About the way you do everything. And even somebody that get the same results, I'd argue about how they got them. Anybody ever like that? Like, well, you didn't do it right. It's like the teacher making you show your work. I got the answer. Why do you care how I got there? As long as I can reproduce it. This is the way my brain works. And so, so what if it, what if in the church, man, what if we started looking at each other saying, man, I'm with you. Uh, uh, your climb looks funny. I'm, but nonetheless, you're climbing. And I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. So what's the first person we need? We need somebody that's with us. I need somebody who believes in me. I need somebody just outside of myself that can, that can say, listen, whatever God's telling you to do, I'm confident. I'm confident that, that it's the right thing. Let's do it. Let's do it. Second type of person. I think Sam, where's Sam Hahn? He's going to come up and help me out with this. Bible says Jonathan climbed up using his hands and his feet. It was pretty steep. And it says, the Bible says, that his armor bearer was right up on his heels. Right up on his... Well, just stay, stay, stand still for a second there. Um, right up on his heels, okay? And I, I started thinking about my life and, and how my journey to where we are at this point in time through, through being a dad, being, being a husband, uh, being a failure at times, wanting to quit at times. Watch this. I got this image of, of this is, I'm Jonathan, this is the armor bear. And, and um, so I, I say, man, listen, we're going um, to go up on this mountain. And we're going to kick some serious butt. And, and maybe God will help us. You good with that? You, go, you sure you're good with that? Yeah. And you say, whatever, whatever God's told you, I'm with you. I'm with you. Let's see. So you're good. We're going to start right now. We're going to start climbing, okay? So what happens in life is that I need somebody to tell me. I need somebody to tell me they're with me, right? That's how I get started. If they tell me they're with me, then I have enough confidence to take the first step. But not only do I need somebody to tell me they're with me, I need somebody that will, that will climb with me, right? Because here's the problem. Because halfway up the climb, I might get tired. Halfway up the climb, I might have a change of heart and decide to go back down. But the Bible says that Jonathan's armor bearer was right up climbing on his heels. And you know what? That makes it tough to do. That makes it tough to, re- to retreat 
because there's somebody behind you the whole time, right on your heels, everywhere you go. Lord, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I'm going to turn around. Oh, oh, well, okay, he's still there. Lord, I don't, like, like this is getting difficult. My arms are getting tired, and I think the Philistines are going <laughs> to... I'm not confident of the call of God on, your, on my life anymore, and I think I want to quit. You know, it's hard to retreat when there's an army behind you, isn't there? You keep... You keep turning around, and yet you run into the armor bearer that believed you at the beginning. Listen, men need this so bad. Because on this tough exterior, on this tough, I can do it on my own, I don't need any help. I built this thing, I'll build it again. Come on, I've said that. I don't need any help, I can get it done myself. You don't believe in me, watch me when I build mine bigger than yours. Then you'll believe, right? So, so what happens though is underneath all that tough exterior, there's moments in a man's life where he feels like he's not going to finish, where he feels like he's not going to end, where he's afraid his kids aren't going to turn out well, and he wants to retreat, and when he does, he needs to have somebody standing there. No, going, no, 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 you told me to climb up behind you. You told me to be right behind you, and I'm not going back down. Like... <laughs> So, so I need you to, I need you to turn around and keep trusting what, what, what God had told you to do. How many armor bearers do we have? You're not worried about being the first one over the hill. You're just trying to make sure the first one gets over the hill. You see, you see so many, you can stop now. It's starting to get irritating. Um, thanks, Sam. Listen. Listen, can I say this to you? Listen, listen, there have been years in my life where, where I was afraid that somebody else was going to get to the top of the hill before me. When the reality is, if we just stay close, we all get to the top of the hill. I have, in the last, uh, not many times, but there have been a couple times in the last 20 years total of being at this church where I've come home furious because of you. (laughs) Not really. Furious with the call of God on my life. Furious about how it was ending up. Furious about the results. Furious about about I thought things could be better. And um, I come home to my wife and I would look at her and I don't I'm quitting. And I'm the biggest one in this house and nobody can stop me. I'm quitting. And she would say, what are you going to do? Mm, I don't know. I'll go pound nails for a living. I'll just, I'll just go build houses again. I don't care. But when I turned around to quit, she was standing there. She said, you can't quit. So you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> you can't quit. And then the funny part is at dinner time, my kids were reminded of, I'll say, who's the boss? They'll say, mommy is. <laughs> so I brainwashed all of you people. Can I say this, church? Listen, I don't care how tough the guy is. He's thought about quitting. He's thought about it. 
Look how great a dad you are. You thought about quitting. And as the church, we need to be the people that are climbing so close behind that when they think about turning around and quitting, there's no opportunity to quit. There's no op. We're not letting you quit. No, 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 no. No, when you said, do I believe in you at the beginning, I told you I did. And I told you I'd go with you. And I told you, I told you that I'd be with you. And so now, now don't get upset because I'm climbing close. You're not quitting. You're not quitting. You're not just going to give up and do something else. God called you this. You were so confident of it at the beginning. And now, now you want to quit. But now you can't quit because I'm behind you and I'm going to push you. Even if I push you over the cliff. You're not quitting. Jonathan's climbing up hand over hand, foot over foot. He's climbing up the hill and his armor bearer is right behind me. I need somebody to believe in me. I need somebody to push me at times. I need somebody to push me at times. Then the last thing. They get to the top of the hill and they expose themselves. They get to the top of this cliff, they expose themselves. And remember what Jonathan said at the beginning? Well, if they, if they tell us to wait, they're going to come to us. We'll just stay here. But if they say, come up, come up to us, then we'll know that the Lord has given them into our hands. And so what the Bible says is that when they revealed themselves, they said, come on up to us. We're going to show you something. And Jonathan looked back at his armor bearer and he was like, let's do this. I need somebody to believe in me. I need somebody to push me when I want to quit. And then when the fight is on, I need somebody that will fight beside me. I need somebody. You know what? We've taken all the masculinity out of being a man. Does that make sense? I don't understand um, how our society has done that. But we've just, we've just kind of erased what it means to be a man. And, and I don't know about you, but like th- that didn't happen in my family. I, I remember my, my dad standing up for me, fighting for me. Almost literally one night, uh, <laughs> me and my brother. Uh, and I want my kids to know. I want my kids to know. That there's nothing that will get to them except through me. Amen? That man, if you get to one of my girls, you're gonna be bleeding. Like I'm I'm telling you that right now. You're just gonna be you're gonna be bleeding. The issue is, is that we've stripped the fight out of men. What do we fight for anymore? What do we fight for our families anymore? And the reason I think it's so easy to quit fighting is because not a lot of people are fighting together. So what we do is, is when everybody else has climbed down the mountain, we're standing there by ourselves, standing on our principles, and we go, man, this is tough by ourselves. It's just tough. But you know what I need? I need somebody to tell me, that if that's the word of God to you, then I'm with you, let's do it. And then I need, when I, then I need somebody to push me when I feel like quitting. And then when we get to the top... And the fight is actually ready to happen. I need to know you're there. Amen? 
Like the agreement was we were going to climb up this thing and fight together. Not we were going to climb up this thing and then you're going to hand me all the weapons and sit down. That you're going to fight with me. That there's no giving up now. There's no looking back now. You've, you've been climbing close with me. Now you're going to... Now I need you to know. Do you realize some church, it doesn't cost me anything until the fight starts. You know that? It really doesn't cost me to tell you, listen, I'm with you, man. You can count on me. <laughs> Send him a card. It doesn't cost anything to do that. It actually doesn't really cost me anything to climb either, does it? Like, oh, I just thought we were going to sightseeing. Which is, is a nice climb or climb up behind you. What ends up happening is when it starts to cost us something, when the fight starts. So we get to the top and we look out and we see the vast Philistine army. We see our modern day culture and we get to the top of the hill and we go, I'm not sure we can whip that. I'm not sure it's even worth fighting. I'm not sure we could do anything about it. Teenagers are going to be teenagers. I'm not sure we could. And, 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 and one or two guys stand up and, and they're looking around saying, is anybody else going to fight? And when those moments come, I need to know that there's other people going to fight. This plays out in, uh, in the New Testament a little bit. And fortunately, John Mark got his stuff together later on in life and became an asset to Paul. But there was a moment in time in the first, Paul's first missionary journey where him and Barnabas took off and Paul uh, and Barnabas took a guy named John Mark with them. And uh, you really don't hear much about it until, until an issue pops up and, and John Mark leaves. Like mid-trip, he leaves. So when the time comes to make another trip... Paul looks at Barnabas and goes, don't you dare bring him. Don't you dare bring him. Barnabas says, what are you talking about? He says, he quit on us last time. Don't bring him. And Barnabas says, oh, no, you can't hold that against him. Don't, don't. And, 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 and listen, John Mark, Barnabas ended up taking him and growing him into a man. And, and, and he ended up becoming an asset to Paul later. But I want you to, uh, you got to understand how we think, right? Paul is saying, I know the fight is coming. And it's one thing for him to say he's going to be with us. It's another thing to prove it in the middle of the heat he leaves. So what happens is this. Right after they have that disagreement, Paul takes a guy named Silas. And in Acts chapter 16, verses 22 through 34, it says this. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Somebody say it might be time to quit. But Paul didn't have John Mark with him. He had Silas. Paul had a guy who he was confident that when it got heated, he wouldn't run off. That's what he was looking for. He was saying, I need somebody that in the heat of battle, you can say you're with me, you can climb up the hill, but when they start beating us with rods, I got to know you're not going to quit. Silas was just that guy. It says, after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. The jailers, the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when they received these orders, he put them in the inner circle and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, can I say this? It says, after they were beaten severely, placed in chains, that 
in the middle of the night, they praised God and sang hymns. I need somebody who will fight. It doesn't say that Paul praised God and sang hymns while Silas told him the 39 reasons why they got beaten. It was all Paul's fault. And, and if it wasn't for him, they wouldn't even be in this situation. And if you'd have listened to me, we wouldn't be here. No, 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 no. That's not what it said. It didn't say when it went sideways, Silas blamed Paul. It says when they had to, when it, when all the chips were down and they had been beaten and it was time to fight and it was time to stand up and it was time to trust God, what did it, what did it say they did? It said Silas and Paul sang hymns to God. I said, you know what? The fight comes. I need somebody that's going to stand beside me and say, hey, this don't look good, but I think it's going to work out. I'm fighting right down beside you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to quit because it doesn't look successful right now. I'm not going to quit because it, it, looks like the, it looks like we're down and out. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep fighting. And Silas sat right beside Paul and said, listen, singing hymns are as good as ideas as any I got. Let's do it. And I don't know, pick out your hymn. Just start singing. He said, yeah, yeah, I trust in God. Trusting God, trusting God. And then an unbelievable miracle took place. People were saved because of it. You know what I need in my life? I need somebody who's going to believe in me. Somebody that's going to cause me to take the first step. When, I, when, when the crazy thing that God put in my heart comes out of my mouth and you hear it for the first time, somebody say, I believe that's God. And I'm willing to support you in it. You know how hard it is for a missionary? I talk to a couple guys all the time, and they say, you know what the hard thing is? Is saying what God has called us to do out loud, and then, and then people supporting it, because it sounds ridiculous. I have conversations with Mark Mason all the time, where he says, you know, we're going to prisons and biker rallies. And being able to enunciate that to people without the fear of them going, well, that's dumb. Don't prisons have chaplains? But a church being able to stand up behind somebody and say, no, I believe in you. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And matter of fact, you know what? When you start climbing that hill, I'm going to be so close because I need somebody to push me. I need somebody to believe in me. I need somebody to push me, push me. I, I can guarantee you at some point in time in my calling, I'm going to feel like quitting. The results are not what I expect and I'm going to feel like giving up. But I, want, I need somebody behind me. To say, well, you can't back up, I'm here. You can't quit now. And I need somebody when we reach the top of the hill. And we see how big the enemy is. To say, we're up here now, it's time to fight. And I'm not leaving you when it gets tough. And I'm going to stick it out beside you. Amen? Come on, why don't you stand this morning? The band could come. I'm not unique. These are three people every man in the house needs. These are also three people every, every man in the house should be. To your kids, to your wife, to your friends. We speak life on the people, man. We're there for the fight. When it gets tough, we don't run, but we stay. And can I say this? 
just to close it out a little bit. There are times in my life where somebody climbing close to me didn't look like a compliment. (laughs) There's times when somebody was climbing close to me that they had to say, Chris, get it together. You're acting like a sissy. And I was like, no, I'm not. Get it together, Chris. You know what the right thing to do is? Do that. There's times in my life where I had to have a guy climbing close enough to me to be able to say that to me. Because you know what? I wouldn't listen to a guy on the other side of the hill. I had to let somebody get close enough to me where they could say, hey, listen, come on. Stop doubting. Keep pushing. Here's a couple things you need to work on. While it didn't look like success at the time, that's what it ended up turning into. And so all across the building, my goal for this, we've got a year till the next Father's Day, right? What if we started raising men up out of this church like that? Where the enemy started saying, I tried to get in, but man, they support each other. I tried to get in, but the men of that place, they don't give up. They don't quit on each other. They, they, they rise. When, when the battle gets heavy, they, they seem to come up to it. What if we, what if we came, became a group like that? What if we believed in each other? What if we pushed each other? What if we fought for each other? What if at the end of the day, at the end of the day when it's all over, we're just tired from fighting you? The Bible says the gates of hell, there's no way they'll prevail against us. But it is a fight. Amen? It is a fight. Come on, bow your head and close your eyes. I want to pray for you this morning. Some of you have felt like What God has placed in your heart is silliness. Some of you have felt like that it's not worth it, that you don't want to say it out loud because there's no support. I'm telling you right now, there's support. The call of God on your life, he didn't take it away. He didn't remove it. He didn't say it was past time. We want to support you. I want to encourage you this morning. Whatever he has put in your heart, whatever it is, I'm with you. I didn't say it didn't sound crazy. I just said I'm with you. And then there's some of you in here that have thought about quitting this week. Thought about giving up on it. Quitting. It's not worth it anymore. It's been, it's, the climb is too hard. And I want to tell you, you can't quit because your church is too far up your butt climbing the mountain for you to quit. You can't quit now. If we got to push you over the top, you can't quit. Come on, tell yourself that. I can't quit. I can't quit. God has called me to the top. And that's where I'm going. I can't quit now.
And then I want to make you this guarantee when you get to the top. You look around, the people here will fight. They will fight. They will fight for you. You will not be alone. When you make the decision, you will not be alone. When you determine that it's time to fight, you will not be alone. We will all fight. We will all fight. Amen. Come on, let's surrender that to God. Father, we thank you this morning. You're good to us. God, you've called us up as men. You've put vision in our hearts, Lord. You've called us to great things. Lord, you've called us to accomplish, Lord. You've called us to conquer. You've called us to build. You've called us to set an example, God. You've called us to raise to raise great families, Lord. You've called us. You've put vision in our hearts, Lord. And the enemy has tried to strip it away with every tactic he could come up with. But we are determined this morning to support each other. We're determined each each day, Lord. We're determined to climb the hill together. We're determined to fight together today, God. For and with each other. And we know in your strength, there is nothing we can accomplish. We know with your Holy Spirit indwelling us, God, there's nothing that we can't do. That your promises are yes and amen to us through Christ Jesus. We thank you for it, God. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, church, if you believe it, shout amen. Give him a a clap of praise.